This is Positively Farming Media. Obviously, we grow our vegetable gardens so we can harvest most of the plants to eat. Yes, some of them are pretty flowers and foliage that is a feast for the eyes, but mainly we just want to eat, right? I generally subscribe to the idea that no part of the plants we grow should be wasted. If it's not something we're going to eat, that green matter needs to go back into the compost pile so it can go back into the soil and grow more yummy veggies for my plate. Turns out, I've been doing the eating part all wrong. Many of the vegetables and some of the fruits and flowers offer more edible parts beyond the commonly harvested portion than I ever realized. And this is actually pretty important when we think about the number of people who go without nutritious food every day. The more of each of these plants we can eat, the better our nutrition is and the better able we are to truly nourish our friends and family with the food we're growing. Today on Just Grow Something, we're jumping into some of the overlooked edibles in our gardens, the parts of the plants we didn't know we can eat. Let's dig in. Hey, I'm Karen, and I started gardening 18 years ago in a small corner of my suburban backyard. When we moved to a five-acre homestead, I expanded that garden to half an acre, and I found such joy and purpose in feeding my family and friends. This newfound love for digging in the dirt and providing for others prompted my husband and I to grow our small homestead into a 40-acre market farm. When I went back to school to get my degree in horticulture, I discovered there is so much power in food, and I want to share everything I've learned with as many people as possible. On this podcast, we explore crop information, soil health, pests and diseases, plant nutrition, our own nutrition, and so much more in the world of food and gardening. So grab your garden journal and a cup of coffee and get ready to just grow something. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So before we dig in, how's your garden doing? How are you doing, my gardening friend? I've heard a wide range of sentiments around this question right now as it pertains to our gardens. We're now halfway through September. The fall weather is moving in in most areas. The summer gardens are kind of starting to wind down, and it seems like half the people I talk to are excited for the fall garden, and they're seeing some great growth in their cool weather plants now that the overnights are kind of getting more reasonable here and north of here. And the other half... Well, they're just completely over it. <laughs> they're burnt out. They're tired of messing with the weeds or the bugs or the diseases or have just had enough of harvesting or pruning, and they really are just wishing their plants would hurry up and be done already. I get it. I've been there, especially when we have incredibly hard years weather-wise like we did here. But once the overnights cool off and the daytime highs don't hit 80-plus Fahrenheit until the mid-afternoon instead of, I don't know, 6 a.m., I find that my attitude shifts a little bit. And I know this about myself after almost two decades of gardening and 16 years of doing it on a very large scale and as a business. I know better than to make any major decisions about the gardens or my chosen line of work during late July or any time in August. Even early September sometimes is iffy. 
It's just the time of year when everything is hard. Everything in the garden is ugly. Everything is happening all at once. And I begin to question my life choices or I just stand in the garden and yell into the sky that I don't want to do this anymore. Experience tells me that that feeling will pass. Things will seem more reasonable as the season begins to wane, and I will begin to already start thinking toward how I can extend the season further into the winter, and I start crop planning in my head for the following year. So if you are in that frame of mind right now where you want to tear out the garden and just say forget it, I hear you, I see you, and I urge you to give it some time, and you might just change your mind. So while we're asking questions, if you're a listener on Spotify, have you noticed the little polls that I've been putting at the bottoms of some of the episodes recently? Spotify gives us the option to do a little Q&A or put a poll at the end of the episode description. And some of you have noticed and have been answering. And it's been really fun to see you engage and to read all the answers. So for example, the most recent questions I put out there were, are you planning on growing a fall garden this year? 100% of you said, yes, that is super exciting to me. What do you need the most help with in the late summer fall garden? 25% of you said what to plant. 25% said how to time the planting and 50% said when to plant. 100% of you that responded said that you are saving seeds this year, which is really cool. And 100% of respondents also said that they're going to try fermenting this year. That is really cool too. For the fall transplants tips for success in the heat episode, I asked, will you transplant in the heat or wait? And 100% of those that answered said, are you crazy? Waiting. And when I asked, will you overwinter crops for a spring harvest, 67% said, heck yes, 33% said, nah, too much work. I don't always leave these little polls at the bottom of the episodes, but if you do see these in Spotify, I will let you know that answering these helps give me a direction to go on the podcast and in the articles that I'm putting on the website, and it lets me know where I may need to expand some of what I'm talking about. This podcast is for you, and I want to know what you want to hear about. So if you see those polls, I would love for you to go ahead and answer them. Another way to let me know what you want to hear about is in the Just Grow Something Gardening Friends Facebook group, which is where this week's episode came from. So if you're not in the group, get in there. Not only is it a great place to ask questions or show off your garden haul or even your garden fails, but it's also a perfect place to drop ideas for podcast episodes like this one. So Rachel posted in the group and said, would be awesome to see ideas and recipes on some of the more unknown edible parts of our garden plants. I just recently learned that you can eat pumpkin slash squash leaves, can even use them as a wrap. Apparently, you can also eat the defibered stems of zucchini like you would a celery stalk. A whole podcast on the topic would be extra awesome. So Rachel asked and you shall all receive. <laughs> Here are five groups of plants with additional edible parts and how they can be prepared or consumed. And since Rachel specifically mentioned zucchini, we're going to start with the curcubits. Zucchini, pumpkins, cucumbers, etc. Right? Basically, the entire plant and its fruits are edible. 
The leaves of the cucumbers specifically are best consumed when they are young and tender because they're less bitter. But in general, with the zucchinis and the pumpkins, the, the leaves are also better when they're young. The cucumber ones specifically tend to take on the flavors of whatever they are cooked with. So some people prefer them raw. Other people really do like the zucchinis as wraps or blended in smoothies. Um, other people use the leaves in soups or stews or as a wrapper to stuff and bake, sort of like a cabbage roll. Just be aware that some people may be sensitive to the compounds in the curcubit leaves, so test them out in small amounts first before you like serve a whole tray of them to your family or fill the whole soup pot with greens from your cucumber or squash plants. And I think that goes for pretty much everything we're going to talk about here today. If you've not ever eaten it in mass before, start with smaller quantities. The blossoms of the squashes in this category can also be eaten. I recommend picking the male flowers so that you don't short yourself on the actual squash crop. Oftentimes these blossoms are stuffed and then they're battered and they're fried and they're kind of considered a bit of a delicacy. And this is because picking and transporting squash blossoms and keeping them cool enough to maintain their freshness without freezing them can be really tricky. I actually had a restaurant chef request to me if they could get squash blossoms from us on a regular basis. And once I figured out exactly what it was going to take me to harvest them and keep them cool and get them transported in a really good condition, it was just going to be cost prohibitive for him to be able to get them through it from us. So bringing them right into your kitchen directly from the garden certainly makes them more accessible. And like Rachel said, you can also eat the stems of the squash plants. The younger, the better, because they're not so fibrous. But once you peel the outer fibers off the stems, not only can you use them, like she said, sort of like a celery stalk, you can cut them into one-inch tubes, and they actually look like penne pasta, and people will cook and eat them just like a pasta. You top it with, like, pasta sauce and parmesan, and voila, you have zucchini stem penne. That's really cool, right? Of course, the seeds of curcubits are also edible. Um, roasted pumpkin seeds are a fall favorite, but you can really do that with any of the seeds. You might stick to the larger type seeds like pumpkins or winter squashes because the cucumber seeds tend to be very small and pulling those out and cleaning them and roasting them sounds like it could take a lot of energy, but that's entirely up to you. Speaking of energy, you guys know I love my coffee, but I don't love large amounts of caffeine anytime afternoon. I don't want to take the chance that anything's going to disrupt my sleep. But just like most of us, I often face that mid-afternoon slump of energy. And I've struggled with how to counteract that without doing, I don't know, jumping jacks in the middle of the garden in the afternoon just to wake up. So when Magic Mind reached out to have me sample their products, I said, why not? And I was so impressed that it is now my new go-to for sustained energy throughout the day, including right on through that afternoon slump. You might have seen me feature this little green shot in my stories on Instagram. I sip it right alongside my coffee in the morning, and I get hours of focus and natural energy. No buzz, no jitters, just a fantastic flow state. They were so pleased that I was so pleased that for the next 10 days, Magic Mind is offering you up to a 50% discount off of their product when you order a subscription. Now, the subscription automatically saves you money off the purchase price, and then they're giving you something extra because you're here with me. 
I am so convinced that you're going to love it that I do encourage you to get the subscription because you're going to want it. But this code will also get you 20% off just a one-time purchase as well. So head to magicmind.com slash justgrow and use code justgrow20 for a limited time 50% discount off your Magic Mind subscription. Magicmind.com slash justgrow with code justgrow20 for your own focused edge over that afternoon slump. Okay, next category is the root and bulb crops. We'll start with the beets, the radishes, and the turnips. We usually use the roots of these, obviously, but the greens are all absolutely edible too. They can be used in salads, stir fries, or sauteed with garlic and olive oil. You can add them to soups. If you like the stronger flavor of them raw, you can blend them raw into a smoothie with the rest of your ingredients. Now, these greens can also be dehydrated and blended together to make a greens powder. Now, I will do this, and I also add in spinach and kale, and then dry them all up, blend them all together and keep them in my cupboard. And I use them to give sort of a nutritional punch to like my soups, my stews, my sauces, anything that I'm making in the wintertime that can use a little bit of the extra nutrition that we generally get from greens when I'm not getting fresh greens out of the garden. And the flowers from all of these can also be eaten. You can just pick them off the plant and toss them into salads. They make a pretty little addition and they give a nice little flavorful kick. The stems of the beet greens can be pickled right alongside the beet root for a different take on beet pickles. I love pickled beets, and I haven't even thought about pickling the actual stems of the greens. I'm thinking I may try this as a fermented pickle instead all on its own. And the seed pods of the radishes can also be eaten. I think I've mentioned this before. If you allow some of your radishes to go to flower and develop their seed pods, you can harvest those while they're nice and young and tender before the seed inside gets too big or it starts to dry out. You can eat the whole pod just like you do like a sugar snap pea. And it has that same kind of a texture, but with a spicy little kick of a radish. I actually fermented some of these with shredded carrots earlier this season, and they were so good. The pods on their own are just perfect little snacks anyway, but they're also really good on top of salads. Now, in this same root and bulb category, we also have our carrots and parsnips. Um, I love to use the carrot tops to make pesto. You can also chop up the carrot or the parsnip tops and use them on salads or in soups. The flavor of the carrot tops is very similar to the carrots themselves with sort of a green kind of tone to it or undernote to it. The parsnip tops tend to taste more closely to, say, parsley. Um, Now, the parsnip leaves can cause a sort of contact dermatitis on some people because of the chemical compounds that are in the leaves. So to counteract this, you can actually blanch the parsnip leaves, just toss them into some salted water and, and boil them a little bit until they're just tender and then drain them and rinse them in cold water. And then you can just squeeze the leaves dry and then dice them up to use them. This should help alleviate any possible skin issues. And then finally, in this category, we also have kohlrabi. Now, we're normally using the kohlrabi bulb that grows above the soil. Um, That's the part we generally are used to eating, but the leaves can also be used in soups and in salads or sautéed alongside other greens. It kind of has a mild cabbage flavor, but without 
the cabbagey texture, if that makes sense. I prefer these on the small or the young side as well, so they don't get tough, um, but they're good raw or cooked either way. Next up, we have sort of the miscellaneous category. These are individual plants that have additional edible parts to them. Um, first up is sweet peas. So young pea shoots and tendrils can be used in salads, sandwiches, stir fries. I like to grow these as microgreens all on their own. But if you need to thin out your pea seedlings in the garden in the spring after they germinate, just pinch them off at the soil level and toss them in your salad. They taste just like a sweet pea and they have kind of a succulent texture. Then we get to broccoli and cauliflower. So we're all used to eating those florets or the heads, but the broccoli and cauliflower leaves are also edible and they can be cooked like collard greens or like spinach to be used in stir fries, in soups, or as a side dish. I've actually eaten the very young, still very tender broccoli leaves raw, just tossing them into salads. But you can also harvest them, and they are, you know, the size of your head, like a big leaf of collard greens, and um, and you can cook them up that way, and they taste just like the broccoli heads themselves. And of course, you can also eat the stems too of the broccoli and the cauliflower plants. Sweet corn, surprisingly enough, has another edible part to it, and that is the actual silk. So those fine threads that are found inside the husk, a lot of people will use those to make tea, and supposedly it's supposed to be very good for you. Celery is another one. Most of us are familiar with using the stalks, but the celery leaves at the top can also be used in salads or in soups or as a garnish. They do have a more intense flavor than the stalks. And so what I have found is the leaves are great to dehydrate because of this and to use as a powder when I want like the celery flavor for something, but not necessarily the texture. And then finally, sweet potato leaves. I love sweet potatoes, but I've never actually eaten the leaves, so I have added this to my list of things to try. They can be prepared by sautéing or adding to stir-fried, um, steaming them, boiling them, um, and then draining them and seasoning them up, or you can just add them to soups. In fact, there is a very popular sweet potato leaf soup in Sierra Leone. You can also apparently use them as a substitute for spinach in salads, which I found interesting. Our sweet potatoes are already done and harvested, but next year I'm definitely going to be picking some of the young leaves and using them for sure. Think about how many leaves grow on a sweet potato vine for like the four months that those plants are in the ground. That's a nice bounty for sure with plenty left behind to keep the tubers growing underneath. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Of course, we've also got fruits in our gardens. 
And many of them have parts that are often discarded that are actually edible and very nutritious. I mean, okay, how many of us have to peel the apples for our kids? Or we peel our citrus fruits and we don't use the skin, right? Those are just two basic examples. But here are a few more that pertain to fruit. The first is the watermelon rind. Watermelon rinds can be pickled which I knew about, but apparently they can also be stir-fried, which I was not familiar with. They have a mild, slightly sweet flavor and a very crisp texture. The next is the pineapple core. The core is often thrown away, but it is edible and it can be juiced or added to smoothies. If you're growing raspberries or blackberries, the raspberry and blackberry leaves can be harvested for tinctures, syrups, powders, or my favorite, to brew into tea. Banana blossoms are another one. The banana blossom, that flower at the end of a bunch of bananas, is also edible. It can be used in salads, curries, or stir-fries. Grape leaves and fig leaves. These are often used in cooking, particularly in Mediterranean cuisine. Uh, They use the grape leaves to make dolmas or stuffed grape leaves. They use the fig leaves to use as wraps um, to cook food in, and it actually infuses that food with the unique flavor of the figs. And if you happen to live somewhere where jackfruit is available, the seeds of the jackfruit are edible and they can be roasted, boiled, or ground into a flour to be used in various dishes. So all of these additional edible parts not only reduce the amount of waste, but it also provides us with a bunch of new sort of flavors and different nutrient profiles that we don't normally get from the other parts of the plant. So using these lesser used parts sort of broadens the range of flavors and nutrients that we can incorporate into our meals. And it's just one more way to get additional nutrients from our gardens, which means more bang for our buck. Now, there is one more subsection of garden edibles. These are decorative components that we can add to our vegetable gardens or to our landscapes that are also edible. The first and probably most obvious one is those edible flowers. So things like nasturtiums, pansies, violets, uh, marigolds, calendula. A lot of the times, not only do these make really good companion plants to our vegetables in our garden, and they are really pretty to look at, but they are also edible and they can be used to garnish salads or desserts. Roses also, rose petals are edible and they can be used in salads and desserts or to make rose water. I also dry the petals and the rose hips for teas. And lastly, daylilies, just your common daylily. The young shoots, the flower buds, and the flowers of daylilies are all edible, and they can be used in salads or in stir-fry. The flower buds of daylilies have been described as tasting like a cross between asparagus and green peas. They can be sautéed with garlic and butter, or they can be dipped in a light batter. They call these daylily fritters. It is very important, though, with daylilies to make sure that you are consuming the correct variety. Asiatic lilies are not safe to eat, and they can actually make you sick. So make sure that you know what it is that you are eating before you eat it. And then also, it's important to note that some people may actually experience upset stomachs. So just like everything, it's advisable to sample small amounts initially before consuming larger portions. That's it for the overlooked edible parts of our vegetable plants, along with a few bonuses at the end there. Did any of these surprise you? 
maybe you're more adventurous than I am and have tried many more of these, or you grew up with somebody in your household that passed this knowledge down to you. I did not have that. I am grateful to Rachel for asking the question because there are a bunch of new things I want to try now in my garden to make it work even more to my nutritional and culinary benefit. Until next time, my gardening friends, keep on cultivating that dream garden, and we'll talk again soon. You just finished another episode of the Just Grow Something podcast. For more information about today's topic, go to JustGrowSomethingPodcast.com, where you can find all the episodes, show notes, articles, courses, newsletter sign-up, and more. I'd also love for you to head to Facebook and join our gardening community in the Just Grow Something Gardening Friends Facebook group. Here are five groups of vegetable crops. Nope, they're not all vegetables. Here, uh, on the squash plants, not the cucumber stuff. Not the cucumber. Jeez, oh Pete. Until next time, my gardening friends, keep learning and keep growing.